For just a brief moment this morning, in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 14. The book of John, chapter number 14, we continue our series entitled, Why Christianity is Special. And uh, I'm just uh, enjoying uh, the study, I'm enjoying the preaching, and I'm enjoying uh, the, the truths that I'm learning in God's Word. You know, we talk about heaven a lot of times, and we're living in a day of tolerance, and uh, everybody would like for us pre-gospel that preaches several and many different ways to get to heaven. No one likes us to say that there's only one way, because when you say there's one way, that excludes all other ways. And no one likes to be excluded. It reminds me of the humorous little story I heard recently about a woman who had died and was standing outside the gates of heaven. And she could look through the gates and see the beautiful banquet table set and with all the family members who had died before. And she was just standing outside enjoying everything. And so a saint appeared at the gate and said, hello, we've been waiting for you. She said, well, that's tremendous. This is such a wonderful place. How do I get in? And so the guest at the gate said, well, all you have to do to get into heaven is spell one word correctly. And she said, what is that word? And the guest said, well, the word that you need to spell correctly to get into heaven is the word love. With a sigh of relief, she said, I can do that. She said, L-O-V-E. The gate opened and she went in. About a year or two passed. Just so happens she is on gate duty. And her husband showed up. And uh, she said, oh, I'm surprised to see you. (laughs) Have you been doing? He said, well, you know, when you passed away, the nurse that was waiting on you, she was such a lovely thing. We fell in love and got married. And not too many days after that, I won the lottery. So we moved out of our little house, moved into a large house. And we've had enough money to travel all over the world. In fact, we were in the Alps skiing when the accident occurred that necessitated me to come to this place. And uh, he said, what must I do to get in? She said, you have to spell one word correctly. He said, what's the word? She smiled and said, Czechoslovakia. (laughs) I don't think that is how you get in. If it was, I would be in a world of hurt. The context 
finds us just about 12 hours before our Lord is going to die on the cross. For three and a half years, the disciples has followed his every movement. They have witnessed great miracles and feats only God could accomplish. They've heard words from the lips of the Savior that was absolutely astounding. To the extent that they said no man spake as this man spoke. They have absolutely forsaken everything this world has to offer to follow him. Believing that in him was the deliverance from the tyrant of Rome. And in him was the essence of a heavenly kingdom set up on this earth that which there would be no end. They have witnessed him turning water into wine. They've witnessed him touching the blind and immediately they could see. They've witnessed the lame walking, the dumb talking. They've even witnessed the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. They have gathered great comfort in being in his presence. They have left home, family, occupation, everything for him. And now they hear in John 13 and verse 33, he says, little children, yet a little while, I am with you, you shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come, so now I say unto you. And he tells them of his departure. The disciples are concerned, they're worried, they're fearful. Kind of like many of us when we've gone to the Funeral of somebody very dear. And the Bible says that Jesus is trying to comfort his weary, worrying disciples. And notice what he says in verse 1 of chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Now this word trouble, it means to cause great mental distress. It's more than just worry. It's more than just concern. It's to be greatly troubled within your being. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. The cure for a troubled heart is faith. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Disciples from your youth, you have been taught to believe in God. The one God, the true God, 
the God that opened the Red Sea for your ancestors. The God who fed millions with manna from heaven. The God who struck, uh, when the rock was smote, uh, from it issued water to water three and a half million folks plus all their animals. You believed in God all these years. Now, I'm going to go away. So what you must do is you must not only believe in God, believe also in me. All faith in Jesus Christ has its roots and its foundation in belief in God. Believe in God, believe also in me. Worry will raise your blood pressure. It will harden your arteries. It will put wrinkles on your face and dark circles under your eyes. But it will not make your problems go away. Worry will not, will not make you feel better. Worry will not do anything for you. And if worry is doubt, then worry is sin. Because doubt is sin. The only antidote for worry is faith. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in the promises of the book. And believe in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus looked at this weary crowd and he says, I know you're worried. I know you're concerned about me leaving. And I know you don't want to be by yourself. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is leaving. The disciples are grieving. But thank God heaven is waiting. The song that somebody sang years ago, I think his name was Gene Wolfenbarger, I'm not too sure. says, some call it heaven, but I call it home. In 1 Kings, two verses I found nestled there, hidden among the treasures of God's word, just jewels, if you please. Stuck away in two verses. I mean, just almost camouflage. If you're reading real fast, you'll go over it. But I don't think we need to run over it today because we're going to talk a little bit about heaven. I found over there in 1 Kings 8, verse 27, down in the middle of the verse, Behold, the heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain thee. How big is God? So big that the heaven of heavens. Oh, you mean there's more than one heaven. The heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. I found another verse. Down there, verse 30, long about the latter part of the verse. Hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. Heaven is where God dwells. And the Bible says there there are more than just one heaven. I believe, and I've often wondered, and then over these 40-some years of dealing with families who have lost loved ones and 
talking to Christians and going to church and preaching bukus of revivals. I've often wondered, would you allow me? Let's see, it's 1101. Would you allow me a minute to wonder? I've wondered all these many years why we sing about heaven. We talk about heaven. We preach about heaven. And we talk about what of a wonderful place it is. And they get mad when somebody goes there. Now that's just a minute to wonder. Do we not sing what a beautiful place heaven is? Do we not sing about the land that is fairer than day? Do we not sing about a place with streets of gold? Walls of jasper? Gates of solid pearl? Where angels attend each of the twelve gates? Do we not sing about a throne which is crowned with a rainbow? Do we not sing about he who is sitting on the throne from which the water of life flows freely down the street? Is it not lined with trees of life like the one in the Garden of Eden? Is there not a throne and he that sat upon it who is altogether lovely? And we get disappointed when someone checks out of this stinking mess and checks into that place. Would you permit just a minute for me to wonder? I'm wondering if that's what you think. You wonder about what I'm doing. Did you know there's two kinds of grief? There's good grief and bad grief. Good grief is whenever we're grieving because there's a vacant seat. But we know that that seat, the occupant has moved into a better seat. Good grief is when... You see your father laying all hooked up to all kinds of apparatuses. And the doctor says he's wore everything in his body completely out. Good grief is when you say, unplug him and let him go to glory. That's what I did for my dad. And had to walk outside the room and fight bad grief. Good grief is when you can preach a funeral and know that they're not there. They're in glory with God. And that body is just a temporary tabernacle that God let them borrow for a while. And now they've graduated, bless God, into the glory of the Lord. That's good grief. It's okay to grieve. Then there's there's bad grief. When that one laying in that casket... We're not sure 
of their eternal destiny. That's bad grief. And I thought I'd just, that, that is tragic. I've preached those kind of funerals. I've asked God to help me feel what the family is, feel, is feeling. But I don't want to talk about bad grief today. I don't want to talk about grief at all. I want to talk about, let not your hearts be troubled. Is there anybody here today that believes in God? Could you say amen? amen. I mean, you really believe in God. Say amen. amen. I mean, when everything is falling apart and, and your world is about to fall to shatters, you know that there's somebody somewhere greater than you that can take care of all of your problems. So don't let your hearts be troubled. Sure, the economy's bad. And I think the administration's trying to make it worse. But I'm really not worried about it. Because the president or the governor does not write my check. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Here's my sermon title. In my father's house. Do you like that? Where is my father's house? First king said it was heaven. Now the Jehovah's Witness don't think there's a place like that. But as Gomer Powell would say, surprise, surprise, surprise. Some folk preach that heaven is right here. If it is, you can have all of it you want. Especially if you go down to the children's hospital. Go to the burn clinics. Take a trip with me to the divorce courts. Walk with me behind bars. Teenagers not having a chance and you know where with parents who does not care. And go with me behind the bars as little boys and girls have reached out for attention in the wrong way. And now they're condemned. Go with me. If this is heaven, you can have it. But thank God I believe the book in my father's house. Do you like that? In my father's house are many mansions. Now, some of your Bibles will say rooms. I ain't looking for no dumb room. I got a room down here. Most folks' Bibles would say we got temporary housing. I'm not looking for no temporary housing. I am looking for a mansion. Built by the master carpenter himself. There on Hallelujah Boulevard, just down the throne of God. So that I can stick my head out the window every morning and say with a loud voice like I've tried to do these 40 some years. Good morning, Lord. Of course, some of you have been saying, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Hello. Let not your hearts believe, be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Some folks just dream about heaven. 
A former manager for the New York Yankees once told about a dream he had. There was, he was ordered in heaven to organize and manage a ball team in heaven. You say, well, there ain't going to be no ball teams in heaven. Boy, some of you folk going to be lost then. He said he was overwhelmed when he began to observe the talent in heaven. There was Christy Matheson and Walter Johnson and Rube Walden and Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Many other superstars who died and gone there. And, And while he was looking at the roster, just then the phone rang and it was Satan calling and challenging to a heavenly ball game. The manager said, but you haven't got a chance winning, said the manager. We've got every great ball player that has ever died. Satan said, yeah, but we got all the umpires. (laughs) Now, I was going to change that to the WBA, but... I don't know anybody of any importance at playing in the finals, so I didn't want to say that. Heaven. It's a real place. It's not a figment of Christian's imagination. It is a real place. You say, now how do you know that? Because he said, I go to prepare a place for you. Is that good or what? A place. First King said, heavens, heaven of heavens. There are three heavens mentioned in the Bible. But the Father's house is only in one of those heavens. The Bible speaks of three heavens. The heaven that is just the atmosphere about us, just above us, the clouds, the air, the atmosphere, that which planes fly in, that which birds soar in, the heavens. The second heaven is the stellar heavens, and that's where the, 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 planets, the moon, the stars, and so forth and so on. A Russian cosmonaut went into the second heavens and spent some time and it was heard him to say, I have been to heaven and I have not seen God. You know the reason? He was in the wrong heaven. And then there's the third heaven and that's where God dwells. And you say, well, no one's ever been there unless you're the Apostle Paul. And he was raised into paradise and heard words not lawful to tell. You say, no one's ever been to heaven and been back. Might ought to ask Moses and Elijah as they stand on the Mount of Transfiguration with their brand new bodies just like our Lord's body. And you say, well, preacher, where is heaven? God's place 
God's home, God's house is in the third heaven. And those who die in Christ go directly to heaven. Someone would have us to believe that there is a purgatory. Oh, that's marriage. And I mean, I'm just kidding. You know that. Some of you said, no, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Most wonderful thing ever happened to me other than salvation is my beautiful wife. I had to say that. (laughs) But to be absent from the body is what? Somebody tell me. Be absent from the body is to what? Be present with the Lord. Where's the Lord? He's in heaven in my father's house. Yes. The thief on the cross. Jesus said to him. When he recognized him as Lord, he said what? You remember what he said? Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. When we close our eyes in death in this place, we open our eyes to everlasting life in the other place. God bless that. And may I say, the Bible said there was a certain rich man who fared sumptuously and dressed in purple. And the Bible said the rich man died. And the beggar died. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. To be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And I'm glad, bless your heart, that heaven is a place. A real, honest to goodness place. It's a place of records. God's got a bookkeeping system. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 21, it says, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And they were judged out of every, they were judged every man according to the works. And the sea and the dead gave up, the the death and hell delivered the death and the sea gave up the dead. And they were all judged. They all stood before God. Heaven is a place of records. Boy, haven't we come a long way in our ingenuity and in our scientific advancements in sound. HD. Haven't we come a long way? God has a tremendous recording system to preserve every idle word, thought, and deed. Sounds of earth Broadcast can be heard into outer space. Can you imagine going down the road at 70? Inside your glass-covered Mercedes or Volkswagen. And suddenly your phone rings. And somewhere... On this earth. And possibly. Off of this earth. You're speaking. And hearing. Did you know. That scientist. At this time. Is working on a machine. That will use radioactive. Material. To bring voices. Out of rocks. And of wood. That sound bites have made impressions in these objects 
And they're working on a machine that can pull those sound bites, impressions out of rock and wood. Well, God, not going to know what I said. (laughs) You kidding? I said, are you kidding? Have you ever considered the brain in which you would like to, I mean, like you, that you have? The greatest computer known to man was not made by Apple. It was made by God. And it's this thing inside your skull called the brain. A neurosurgeon in Ontario, Canada was performing brain surgery on a lady by the name of Sue. And what they do when they perform brain surgery, they just take the top of your head cranial and just lift it up. Wouldn't that be nice if when they put it back, they used somebody who had hair? And the way they discover what brain cells are dead is by electrical electrode by probing each lobe and each nerve system to see what activates the body. This 80 plus year old lady by the name of Sue, as they begin to probe her brain, it would activate certain parts of her body. And they probed one part and she began to quote verbatim conversation she'd had at her eighth birthday. Verbatim quoted the entire conversation. And as she quoted what what absolutely overwhelmed the doctors was when she quoted the conversation, her facial expressions showed the emotions she experienced when she received a little yellow dress at eight years old. Heaven is a real place, but is a real place of records. Every word, every deed, Every conversation that has not been put under the blood of Jesus Christ will come back at the great white throne judgment. Oh, pity the person who does not have his name written in the Lamb's book of life. Heaven is a place of rewards. Heaven is a place of rejoicing. Can anybody say amen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to see my daddy. I am. You say, how do you know that? Because I made sure of that before he checked out. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm going to talk to him a while. I'm going to say, Dad, did they laugh at you parting your hair in the middle up here? <laughs> did they call you unisex, Daddy, when you parted your hair in the middle? He said, better not. He said, Daddy, did they laugh at your long sideburn? Me and my daddy's going to rejoice. And Jesus said, my reward would follow me. There'll be a great reunion. Heaven 
is a real place. Can anybody say amen? amen? And if you've sent somebody on ahead recently who had been gloriously born again, they moved out of a place and moved into a real place, a place with no cemeteries, a place where there's no tears, a place where there's no pain, a place where there's no sorrow, a place where there's no darkness because the sun and the lamb will be the light, a place without moon or sun, without temptation, and that is free from sin, pollution, or anything that is built by the hands of God and knows no hearses, traveling slow, taking their victim to a graveyard, I just thank God there's a place called heaven. And that's in my father's house. It's a beautiful place. I like Texas from here east. From here west, I'm glad you folks like it. I like trees. I like birds. Here west, nothing for birds to live in. Here west, I believe heaven is a beautiful place. Little girl walking with her daddy one night looked up to heaven and saw all the stars and all the moon and everything and said, Daddy, if this side of heaven is that pretty, I wonder how pretty is the other side. We remind me of a little girl that was born totally blind. Mother tried to describe. Mother would tell about the colors. Mother would talk about the sunrise and the sunset and the moon. Mama would talk about that. But one day a miracle happened. She had surgery at the age of eight or nine. And finally she woke up, her eyes opened. And to her utter surprise that she saw how beautiful everything was. Said, Mama, why didn't you tell me? And Mama said, Honey, I tried. But just no words. There's no words to tell you. How beautiful it is. I wonder when we get to heaven, if we bump into John. You know the guy that's sitting on the Isle of Patmos. You know the guy who the Bible said in heaven opened. And he saw everything in heaven. I wonder if we won't walk up to John and say, John, why didn't you explain to me? Why didn't you tell me in detail how pretty it was? And John will say, well, Brother Billy... I tried. There just wasn't enough words. It's just not in the vocabulary of man to say how beautiful heaven must be. It'll be a beautiful place. Much as I miss my mom and dad, I don't want them to come back. I've witnessed my dad before all the modern medical advancement. I've seen my dad in the old country shotgun room house we had back there on the farm. So gnarled and twisted and agony and pain with ulcers bleeding 
And I've heard him cry and weep and cry out, dear God, have mercy. I don't want my dad back in that. Huh? I don't want my mom back in this mess. I'm just waiting for the glorious time that I get to graduate. And I move out of this thinking mess and get me a brand new body that don't stumble and stagger and hurt and kink and pull and everything else. How beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the ransom and free. A haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful heaven must be. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. It's a real place. It's a beautiful place. It's a place with great possibilities. Nobody has to miss heaven. I don't care what your ethnic situation, your religious situation, your economic situation, your intellectual situation. Nobody has to miss heaven. But if you miss heaven, there's only... One more place for the eternal. And that will be hell. I encourage everyone today who listens. Heaven is possible to everyone. But there's only one way. Jesus said in verse 6, look at it. I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. Is that what it says? No man come to the Father. But by me. Now. I'm done. It's 1127. That's pretty good. I thought. Does anybody else think that's pretty good? If you don't. I can go on until 1227. You know. You can die in cancer and go to heaven. You can die in liver problems and go to heaven. You can die with pancreas problems and go to heaven. You can die with kidney problems and go to heaven. You can die with sugar diabetes. You can die in poverty. You can die in loneliness. You can die in rags and go to heaven. And you can die in the poorhouse and go to heaven. But you cannot die in sin and go to heaven. I'm sorry, you can't do that. You can go to heaven without health. You can go to heaven without wealth. You can go to heaven without fame. You can go to heaven without a name. 
You can go to heaven without culture, without beauty, without friends, and without a thousand other things. But you cannot go to heaven without Christ. I encourage you today. Why don't you come and go to heaven with me? Why don't you come and go to heaven with me? You say, you're leaving today? No, I hope not. But I am going. And we've asked people around us to go everywhere in the world with us. The Dairy Queen. This week I asked Brother Billy and Miss Mary to go out to dinner with me and my wife. And I surprised Billy by telling him when we got through eating that steak dinner, it was on him. All of us have asked somebody to go somewhere with us without embarrassment, without any reserve, without any anguish, without anything. We just say, Mrs. Jennings, I'd like for you to go to heaven with me. Is there anything wrong with that? Why don't you today... Get your ticket. When the bus leaves, we can all get on together and go to heaven together. You say, well, I'm not a Baptist. (laughs) Dear God, if Baptist is running things in heaven, me and you both will leave. Amen. Amen. Whatever you do, get ready. Heaven. 